<laughs> hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to an awesome episode of the Research VR podcast. Today with me are uh, special guests, David Sarno. How you doing, Oz? I'm, the Wizard of I'm, Oz. I'm doing very well. Yeah. Uh, founder of Lighthouse Inc. And uh, Dr. David Axelrod, uh, who is also from... Uh, this, I mean, give us your introduction, I guess. I don't want to Sure, I'm David Axelrod. I'm a pediatric cardiologist from Stanford, and I work with David at Lighthouse. All right. Awesome. Well, so what, what does VR have to do in hospitals? Why, would, uh, why, why does that make sense? Uh, I guess you can kind of talk, talk, talk about how you got the idea at first and what's the inspiration behind. Well, we've been working uh, using, before VR, uh, 3D graphics, video game graphics, okay. to explain parts of reality uh, for a few years. And we, we often kind of say that you know, um, so much of the technology that we use was pioneered by the video game industry and the animated film industry. Right. And these are so often used to tell, you know, stories of alien wars and ancient battles and, you know, just all kinds of different fictional stories. Um, but there's so many stories in real reality that have their own, you know, miraculous, mystifying amazement. Um, and so we've been just using the, the tools that were invented by the video game industry to just explain things in science and healthcare cool. and, um, and reality. So, so it's all about explaining things. It's all about, you know, transmitting information and knowledge that people didn't have uh, and using virtual reality as like a good tool. Yeah. Better than you could with any other thing. Definitely. Right? And, and one thing that people don't think about is that the body itself is this amazing three-dimensional machine and it's a machine within that contains many other machines. Right. And so if you fly inside it and look at the heart or the brain or any of the other organs, there's these amazing things that who knows who made them? I don't know. Let's not, we don't have to get into that, <laughs> but I mean, um, being able to see them from all sides and see the mechanics of them and understand the science of them lends itself very well to visual three-dimensional virtual being there touching right. it interacting with it cool um that, david i mean tell us a little bit about you know for on the medical side what kind of advancements are there and slash like is has this been being per perceived well yeah so the um the response we've gotten from the medical community both from the trainees from the hospital administration from um, patients and families has been amazing um, mm. and i think that's just because we're we as a community as a medical community and as a kind of medical scientific um, community with education as well are really just starting to see kind of the very beginnings of what vr can actually do mm. um, and you know we have a long history in medicine of um, education and you know training people with some of the most difficult um, concepts to visualize and understand in your head right um, but it's all been um, relatively static um, things that you can't really immerse yourself in um, you know modalities that are either flat um, or uh, are you know teaching methods that you can't really interact with the closest we get probably has been historically the human cadaver experience hmm. which really all medical students do and which is you know um, a profound learning kind of uh, experience right um, but we've used uh, our VR heart to really describe what's what I think is the most complex um, organ uh, system um, and the really most difficult to understand and visualize in your head these congenital abnormalities that babies are born with mm. um, and have just had an amazing response from trainees and families alike so it's been it's been really exciting 
So I, I don't know if we gave a proper introduction to, into what Heart VR actually is. Um, do you want to do you want to kind of explain what what it is and where it fits in, within you know medicine? Is it at the you know something that the consumers have and, and learning, or it's something that doctors are using? Uh, yeah. Well, we started it to be an educational experience to teach about a very specific field in medicine, which David is a specialist in, and that's congenital heart congenital heart health, congenital heart defects. Okay. And that means the, that it's, it's congenital heart disease as opposed to adult heart disease. And heart disease, it, we think of it as coronary artery disease and things that adults have. Maybe David can explain it better than I yeah, can. Yeah, so, you know, I think when people hear heart disease or they think about, you know, the American Heart Association, for example, they think about people having heart attacks, um, which is um, relatively common. Um, but not quite as uh, difficult to conceptualize in your head um, from a 3D standpoint. What I'm a specialist in and kind of the way that we got linked up was, is with congenital heart defects, which are, like I said, defects that babies are born with. And just because the way that the heart forms in, in, in utero, you know, as a, as a fetus is growing, the way that the heart forms and folds is really complicated. It's this mm. amazing origami type uh, mm -hmm. folding of this this tissue and you need cross sections in textbooks to really like you, look at them right that's how i learned right? yeah you need cross sections um you need there are um other representations that try to get 2d images mm. into 3d but basically what we end up having uh having to teach trainees that work with us and and they work for years and years to understand this is we take all of these modalities and then make the trainee form a 3d image in their brain so that they can cool. they can visualize this in their head and what we think we're doing, and, and we've had some great feedback on this, is really accelerating that process and, and allowing people to interact with, with these 3D structures right in front of them. Awesome. So it becomes a way to both teach uh, medical students, uh, doctors, nurses, everybody that's involved in these complicated cases that involve babies, and to understand what's going on inside the heart. And these heart, the baby hearts are often the size of a plum or smaller. Mm -hmm. So to be able to project yourself inside and look from the inside, if there's a hole or a vessel isn't working, it's just a new way to be able to have visual kind of physical access to these three-dimensional concepts. Right. Is this something that can be like personalized to the patient themselves where like, you know, I'm sure not to everyone with this, not two people have the same defect, right? In the same way. Is that something that's possible or, or where are we with that? Because I know there's a lot that's going down the personalization route. And before that, by the way, for live viewers, um, write down your questions. I know you guys are, uh, a lot of people are interested in, you know, learning a little bit more about this. Every 15 minutes or so, we'll stop and do a little live Q&A, uh, take your guys' comments and questions. Um, so yeah, go ahead. So it, there's there's different ways to think about it. The way that we're approaching it is more like the way that you learn from a textbook. And I mean, we think we're doing better than a textbook, but it's like in a textbook, you have a standard visualization and sort of generic. And but you can teach a lot of different details about how things work from, you know, a standardized way of approaching it. And uh, and then on the other side, there's the more clinical approach where you would base it on a scan that uh, of the patient's own heart. Right. Uh, but there's some limitations to that, which is that the scan is low, can be lower resolution because it, it is actually a function of how much radiation they're exposed to. Sure. So the more radiation, the higher resolution. It's not that great of a bargain for mm. getting a high resolution scans. <laughs> um, you just blast them with, with basically radiation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that's one of the limitations on using people's uh, own heart. But 
that that like many technologies will evolve and it'll be less radiation you'll be able to get higher resolution but the other thing is when, when you take a high res scan um it's just static it's a static heart so mm. our, our heart okay. beats and there's blood flowing through right. it and it's how alive. do you stop it right yeah yeah so um but the static models it's just you'll see sort of like what looks like a plastic heart it'll be one freeze frame of your heart in kind of lower resolution mm. so it's not as interesting to look at yet um and that's the advantage of being able to actually build using you know cg mm. build um a, a more general heart that is highly detailed and highly accurate uh, but it's not your heart quite yet right maybe you can change that general heart into match i mean if you know certain things about the you know the person's yeah. heart maybe you can match it in the just the model that you have already rather than try to recreate it that's right like, it's actually relatively versatile so you can take you know a, a relatively um uniform for example type of hole in the heart um and first of all it's much more versatile if you have that relatively uniform one to to teach all of the trainees about that type of hole in the heart and then you can go to patients and say this is a representation of the hole in the heart your child's hole actually this part here is a little bit um, different or smaller on that side, um, but the, the general concepts are exactly the same. Um, once you create that patient's specific heart, they can get so complicated that that may be useful for only that patient. Right. And so it's it, it doesn't quite translate as much for educating kind of the broader medical community. Um, but as the technology improves, I think you know that's something that 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 we'll see come down the road. Is this going to be something that consumers with you know a Rift or a Vive or whatnot be able to download, or what? I mean, what's the plan over like launch schedule with this? Yeah, I mean, we want to share some version of it so that people can just get a glimpse of you know what VR and medicine is going to mean and how it's going to be used, and then it could be like there's a consumer version that's the normal heart, mm. so that you can learn about the normal heart. Uh, and then, you know, sort of a professional version that has 30 different kinds of defects and lots of detail that a consumer might not want because it's sort of right. more science level. Right. Um, but the other thing that we're starting to think about now is going beyond just a reference tool where it's not, it's not just an encyclopedia of heart defects, but it can start to become an actual learning experience where, you know, you could see it being used at medical schools so that uh, medical students would actually go through and it's like going through a chapter of a textbook except mm. you're operating the heart and learning about it by manipulating it and um, you know pointing to different pieces of it to be tested and so it's like a course in virtual reality like an inter interactive educational yeah. experience inside the heart rather than reading a chapter on holes in the heart right um, I want to say we'll, we'll, we can do a Q&A now how can people find more about HeartVR if they want to talk to you. Well, let's see. There's a website, and I believe it's vrheart.stanford.edu. Uh, Stan yeah, you, yeah, you can look up this. If you look up Stanford Children's uh, Virtual Reality Heart, okay. um, that'll yeah. come up. Cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, someone's asking about a demo video online. Yes, there is. Look up uh, Heart VR Stanford on YouTube. That's what that's the queries I use. And uh, you'll it'll come up, or is, you, is there a different you title? You gotta see this this video. <laughs> this is Oz's video, and it's so cool. If I have moderators in the chat, please try and find it and post it for people. Can can we brag for a second about this thing that you helped us do, which was that we think it's if not the first, one of the first few mixed reality videos with the Rift. For the Rift, the yeah. Rift. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, yeah. That was a that was cool, hack. cool. A lot of the the MR videos you see are with the Vive, and so we sort of hacked together a way to do it. With that the Rift, was and yeah. it's pretty sweet. 
Yeah, thank yeah. You th I got to thank the the community. I got a couple trips from here and there, and 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 yeah, basically came together into a pretty cool trailer. Yeah, that was yeah. Fun. You guys are first. Yeah, you're like one of the first to actually do it in real time, rather than you know fake it in post. Yeah, like this was an actual game running with Rift with a, a fake third con third controller with like touches and things. So let's let's talk a little bit about you know, medical VR and and where we are in a field or where just VR is. With doctors, like I'm guessing, 99% of them haven't tried it, right? And so, um, when you come in with an idea like this, you're like, "Hey, you know, I wanna, I wanna try virtual reality for this and that." Like, what is the response that you get, and how have you know have you dealt with those? Yeah, so um, I think um, the medical community in general, I think, is really poised to start interacting with VR a lot, a lot more in the next um, few months and few years for sure. Um, I think um, the community is really excited about it when people um, see what we think are better ways to learn and teach and to explain to patients, which we've actually done that as well, explain to people what heart defects are. Um, people get really excited. Um, it's probably, um, there haven't been as many uh, medical people using VR as you know in other groups, but I think that for sure is going to change. It's going to be part of our our everyday life. When we went to them with the idea, mm -hmm. and, and I mean you know to our our medical community, our heart center at Stanford. Did you do have to? Sorry, did yeah. you have to do much convincing to get him on board at first? Uh, he got me on board. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. We, we, we we had done a project a couple years ago for the Stanford Heart Center that was an iPad sort of simulation. Okay. And David saw that and said, "Can we do this in VR?" So awesome. So you're 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 really thinking ahead and and how do, how are you going to use different technologies in your field? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I like <laughs> to think of it that way. But it was easy because um, you know I I work primarily in the intensive care unit at at the Children's Hospital at Stanford, and so we have patients. You know, I'm lucky in that I work in in a in a heart center that's that's world class, world renowned. I get to work with amazing team. Right. Um, and we take care of patients and we have trainees from literally all over the world. It's not uncommon for us to, to have kids come from Poland to have surgery and, and medical care at our centers, which is amazing. Wow. Um, so have you thought, and, and this is a question actually, have you thought about localization and you know, different supporting different languages for uh, yeah. these applications? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, certainly for us here, um, we need to have this in Spanish. Um, there's no question sure. about that. Especially in California. Especially in California. My, yeah. my medical Spanish is pretty good. I know how to say whole and murmur and, uh, you know, <laughs> and a number of other things. Um, and uh, I think um, there's such a, a vast community of all different languages that need to, that need to know this information that right. I think for sure that's in our next step that's already being built. And to your earlier question about what's the response in the medical community, we were at a cardiology conference in December from with pediatric cardiologists from around the world. And we had a booth there and we... There was a line to the booth and people from all over the world were coming up and trying it. And these are people that had never seen VR before. So there's obviously a, always a wow factor of the first time you see VR, it's kind of amazing no matter what. Right. But they also, once that sort of wore off, they were able to see immediately the, the educational value and people would say stuff like, I wish they had this when I was in med medical school or this is going to be al allow us to train so much more effectively. Right. Um, this is going to revolutionize the way th that we teach. Um, so there's a huge amount of enthusiasm about the potential for it. And I think that's true all across VR. Um, but the challenge that we have now is how do you take that enthusiasm and convert it into actual, you know, 
use mm. and getting it what in you, the hospitals. What do you want that to be? What, what is that use? I mean, ultimately with, uh, with VR in a sense. Well, you can, you want people to learn everything that you can teach about medicine, not everything. Cause you need to, you know, be, you know, if you're doing surgery, you need an this actual still body. Have a job, right? Yeah. Yeah. But there's so <laughs> many, yeah, there's so many concepts that you can teach by letting people go inside the body and, and learning by doing. Right. And so we want it to be part of medical school education, part of if you're getting a job at a hospital and, and presiding over these cases or being involved in these cases, then you go to the VR room at the hospital and take a course in VR or do it, you know, at home before you get there. And so it just becomes part of how people learn. I like that. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about what's been impressing you in the field. I mean, what I guess I don't know too much about medical VR. Um, what you know, what is out there, and and what what are some ideas that you know you don't have time to do, but you're like, wow, that's a great idea. I'm glad someone's doing that. Yeah, I mean, there's a number of um, certainly some of the technological advances that are going to allow us to build our current program um, in a little bit of a different environment um, are are pretty impressive. So, for example, multi-user. Mm -hmm. You know, I think at some point, um, you know, we're already kind of thinking about developing and, and we we're kind of moving toward, you know, a medical school classroom where totally. there's 30 students where, you know, e either in uh, VR or AR, um, where they're learning, you know, our Stanford virtual heart, but it's 30 people at one time and different people interacting. And, um, you know, I think that's just going to be so much more of an advance for, for you know, training medical students versus what 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 i had when you know when i was in medical school which was you're sitting in a lecture hall and they put up a slide that's black and white and mm. they show you pictures of the heart and you kind of look at them and, and memorize them <laughs> cool some of the stuff that people are doing and i don't know the names of, of all the companies but um, they are actually starting to try to teach surgery um with and the, the tricky thing about that is in regular VR, you can't do that because you need the pressure and the force and the resistance sure. of a body. Um, but there's a couple companies that are trying to actually build these interactive mannequins where you can press in VR a scalpel into mm. a dummy and then see the virtual version of the surgery as you're doing it. And sure. that's a that's a tricky hardware design um, proposal, but. Uh, that's certainly going to be how people right. are going to learn in the future. Hey, just put some tra Vive trackers on it, right? It'll work. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. What just developers slap, do. Slap the tracker on there. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. I like the uh, the ability to mix in, you know, the real life elements and tools that, or even, uh, you know, you don't have to reinvent the entire wheel if you can borrow tools from other parts of education that work really well, like, you know, fake bodies and whatnot. Yeah. And then use new technologies like VR and actually uh, augment both the technologies together. Definitely. And I'm not using augment in a AR way. <laughs> the regular way. God, these words have now just become so, you have to like ingrained, you can't use them in different ways. There's another <laughs> uh, sort of pillar of what people are trying to do in medicine, which is using uh, VR for empathy. And so- mm -hmm. uh, Why is that relevant for medicine? Well, because, uh, you know, Dr. Axelrod can maybe help me out with this, but um, for instance, at children's hospitals, there's a lot of kids coming in. They don't know what to expect. Um, they're worried. They know that they have mm. a condition. They may have to go into surgery and that can freak um, kids and parents out. So being able to give a kid a preview of what the OR looks like or what right. the hospital looks like so that they're not surprised the first time they actually get there, that's a way to, you know, sort of prepare them and get them in a calmer place so that they're not surprised or scared 
uh, when they get in there. And there's some cool projects at Stanford that are trying to do that. That's awesome. Well, I mean, can you name a few or are they? Yeah. So um, our group, you know, at Stanford, we have a number of different different groups in different fields that are working with VR, um, AR, um, 3D printing. Um, and that's mm. kind of part of the fun of being there is that it's, it's this really forward thinking group. Um, and so one of the projects is called Braveheart. Um, and cool. that's the project where, say, if a child's coming in for a procedure um, on a Thursday that they've never had before, you know, that can be really anxiety producing. And actually, that anxiety itself can alter the procedure and make it harder for, for the physicians to be able to, to do the procedure that they need to do. Um, and so not only for, you know, obviously caring for the child to make the child feel more comfortable in the family, um, but also to be able to do the procedure in a safer, easier, quicker, um, hopefully less you know, costly manner, right. all, of, all of which those things are going to be studied with the Braveheart program. Um, so they would say, give the, the um, child the experience of coming through the, say, the catheterization laboratory or the rest of the hospital on a Wednesday, and then they would kind of be prepared and then come in on a Thursday for the real thing. Um, and so we're, that's one of the things that, that uh, the group at Stanford is working on. And, and that's, you know, pretty exciting. That's awesome. I mean, is, are there any kind of numbers that we can, uh, that you've seen that are impressing you about that? Because I know, I think training is, and I keep coming back to it, but training probably has the biggest potential to to change uh, in and outside of medicine. Anything that includes, uh, uh, you know, understanding spatial things, understanding muscle memory and, you know, having those uh, procedures very, very much ingrained in your brain. Uh, being able to practice those beforehand are, it gives you a huge advantage. And so, have you seen any kind of numbers that you can kind of talk about? In, in terms of research? In terms of, yeah, if, you know, research or, or even smaller, not real research, res you know, anecdotal type of uh, evidence that leads to VR yeah, um, being used by. We, we did, um, or a group at Stanford uh, used this virtual heart and ran some physician assistant trainees through it. Mm -hmm. uh, and ask them questions of sort of fact-based questions about what part of the heart is this or what happens here anatomically, um, as well as a self-evaluation where they said, how did you like this compared to the other ways that you've learned about anatomy? Like textbooks, online videos, um, diagrams. Cadaver. Cadavers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, it'd be cool if we had the slide to show you, but VR was in the 90th percentile it was like everybody likes vr more than all the other stuff right um and so that that was a, kind of a heartening uh, result cool, yeah. yeah and cool. also the the students were able to learn the anatomic and physiologic questions that they were asked so we had pre-tests and post-tests this is all preliminary and it's going to kind of be presented more broadly and then um you know published through peer the peer review process sure that's um, awesome that you guys are going yeah. down the research route i think it's really important i think you, you know to. i think um you know we're not in this just to have uh you know a cool heart game um right. that, that is kind of like cool and fun it you know we think it is that but it's really so much more um and so you know it's on us to prove that actually this is as good or better than the standard medical school curriculum and and we think that it is, and, and that's what we're developing right now is the whole curriculum to, to really be able to show that. So eventually, do you want this to be a, a basically part of medical school? Is that kind of the target that you're eventually going to? Yeah, because if you go to a, a medical school class on anatomy now, you'll see a bunch of people, you know, maybe 50 people sitting in a big room looking at what is essentially a 2D diagram up on the screen of a body and mm -hmm. it's sort of almost like an, an outline and very, very simplified. 
Um, and it's really easy to imagine not too far in the future where everybody has their AR glasses on and they're all looking at a 3D AR projection of a living human body and the professor taps the brain and the brain flies up and right. you can rotate it and zoom in and go to whatever part you want and this region of the brain does this and this region of the heart does that. And so it's in, in addition to being a cool, uh, a, an effective way to teach all these anatomical parts in three dimensions, we think it'll just be really engaging because yeah. it's you're not just writing on pen and paper. You get to touch and interact with the anatomy that's a living body that's in front of you. That's awesome. The other group we think as well that you know I've had um, experience with our with the VR heart is with patients and families, and so that's been really impressive. And so you know the the standard kind of way that um, that we educate families when they come in um, to our heart center if they have a baby that has a congenital heart defect that needs surgery. Honestly, as we go up to a whiteboard um, and, you know, we, we draw them a heart or we draw it on a piece of paper and I'm pretty good at drawing them, you know, I've been doing it for a while. So <laughs> sure. you kind of learn how to draw it so that it's, it's, it's okay. Right. And then, um, you know, these families keep these papers, they laminate mm. them, they keep them for this one mother that we had with us the other day. She had her son, that's my patient, and he was in the VR experience or she was in the VR experience and just, you know, learning about the heart. Mm. And she had brought these papers that were from five years before when we had drawn these pictures for her. Um, and, you know, and I just, I think that there's just such a better way to educate families about what's going on. And, and I think that's really important for them for their own health care. And mm. so, so that's also something we want to look at. And the heart uh, conditions are both complicated and you can't see them because it's inside your body. So <laughs> we've had uh, parents of patients look at uh, some of the educational um, visualizations that we've done and say, my child got that surgery 10 years ago and I didn't understand what it was until now, until I looked at this. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, to them, it was just another, you know, three letter acronym yeah. disease. Or so that's what I was saying when we have these patients coming from all over the world, mm. I was saying a little bit before, and you know, they'll come into our intensive care unit and say, Hey, you know, I used this this online educational tool that was on the Stanford website. It was incredible. You know, it was right. thank you so much. So then I text David and I say, Hey, you know, we got another another kid from Texas or a kid from Florida. You know, they came and they used the app. You know, great. You know, work. it's funny because it's you're using virtual reality, but at the end, you it's it's all about it. It, it places them back into reality and, and makes them understand what is happening in reality inside of the heart. Right? Like it's not something foreign. It's not a three letter uh, disease. It's, it's oh, there it is as a big hole in the heart that yeah. you know that's what they're trying to fix. And that, right? Yeah, exactly. And th this gets to kind of a concept we were playing around with the other day, which is the heartbeat. And we all know we have heartbeats. We all know, ba -dum, ba -dum, lub dub, lub dub. But there's actually a complicated process that goes into what is happening every time the heart beats. And there's a couple of valves that close for the first part of the beat, and then a couple more that open and close for the second part of the beat. Right. And if you're inside the heart and you can see the first one, the first two close, and then the second two close, then suddenly that noise that you're hearing through the stethoscope makes sense because you can see oh, all the pieces yeah. beat and close at the same time. So the heartbeat becomes not abstract but real like you're saying it's a spatial thing you can understand where it's actually you happening can, you can yeah. see it happening that's a great point <laughs> yeah. that's cool i'm glad you guys are, are working on on such interesting new tech um the beeps and boops and that are, com that are coming from the table those are just new followers so if you guys are first time watching this uh show on whatever platform we're on uh, i'll just say a little something about upload we cover all things virtual reality and um 
Today we're kind of talking about medicine and and about using VR and how you can use it as a visualizing method, uh, both as a patient and also as a medical um, expert of, of all kinds. Uh, awesome, guys. I mean, I want people to be able to reach out to you. How can people find uh, both Lighthouse and, I guess, your team uh, at Stanford? Well, Lighthouse's uh, URL is L-I-G-H-T-H-A-U-S, German spelling of house, dot U-S. Ah. And you can check out some of the work and uh, there's a contact form. Uh, but definitely, I highly recommend it. I know I keep saying this, check out the MR trailer that Oz <laughs> produced because it has contact information and it also gives you a very cool visual of what the project is and sort of what the vision for it is. Um, so That's cool. I just, uh, we've, pinned in the Facebook stream the uh, the Stanford Hospital website. So in here, I'm sure there's a trailer. And you can also just Google Stanford Virtual Heart and it'll pop up on YouTube. That's right. Yeah. Um, one Last questions, guys, if you, if, you got, if people want to ask them now, uh, now's the time. John D. Glover is asking, can this be adapted to a live feed uh, and kind of asking about how this, you can use this to be working together real you know in real time where i'm I'm guessing he's thinking someone is inside of the heart you know kind of there at, at small scale and someone's outside that they're communicating um i think telepresence has a lot of potential uh, i'd love to get some of your thoughts as to you know how that can be integrated i don't know if that's something that heart vr wants to do but what do you where do you see this going well it's just like once again borrowing concepts from the video game industry it, make it multiplayer right. so multiple people can be in it if it's a doctor and a patient or a doctor and a family or multiple medical students or a high school teacher and students any as many people as you want can join one you know once you add the multiplayer functionality so uh everything is better with more people and yeah it could definitely so telemedicine is actually a concept right. that's gaining currency yeah i think one of the fascinating ideas that um, we've talked about with our surgeons is actually doing telemedical remote surgical consults. So, you know, for example, if we have that patient who's in Texas or in Florida and they're coming for surgery next week, you know, we've had our surgeons in the VR heart, in the Stanford heart, and they've, um, you know, had just great things to say about it. So to have them in the Stanford heart um, with the patient who's in it saying, this is the plan for next week. Um, that's something that um, I, I just, I don't think that's that far away. I think we're pretty close to that. It's awesome. Well, uh, thank you guys for uh, joining us here on another episode of the Research VR podcast. Thank you uh, very much. Yeah, this has been, been a pleasure. Thanks, this has been really fun. Uh, everybody, thank you for watching and listening in live and uh, after the fact. If you are new to this, follow at Research VR. Uh, we just talk about science and virtual reality. Follow Lighthouse Inc. And um, do you guys have personal plugs you want to put in there? Yeah, you can follow at dsarno, D-S-A-R-N-O, if you want, on Twitter. Awesome. You hey. can email me at dxarod at stanford.edu. I also want to say hi. Can I say hi to my kids? Yeah, say hi. Dr. J, The Worm, and Tiny Archibald. Oh, I like those names. Yeah. Cool. I'll shout out to my to my dad for uh, making this intro song. He makes all the intro songs for uploads uh, or just oh, wow. all the live streams. Yeah, this cool stuff. Nice. Yeah, yeah it's it's, got, it's a nice little groove out. Yeah. Hip dad. <laughs> He's a cool guy. All right, everybody. Thank you again, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>